86. N.M. Martin wrote the first book of what became a cult. Now it's time for Babysitter's Club Club. All right, you ready, my man? Yeah, I said, is my light on? It's on. Give me a hot, hot intro. Hello, and welcome to the Babysitter's Club Club. A podcast in which I, Jack Shepard, and I, Tanner Greenring, discuss the fantastic, epic novels of Anne M. Martin, writer of the Babysitter's Club series. Mm-hmm. For a little bit of context, real quick here for people who haven't been listening along, as a young man through a series of mishaps and misunderstandings, I, at the age of seven, read all of these books, uh, so I have a deep connection to them. Tanner, on the other hand, um, reads them uh, to primarily to get his news. Yeah. <laughs> he he doesn't read websites. He doesn't r- read. Not big on social media. Newspapers. This is he, in in his world. This is where he gets the news, the current news of the day. Yeah. Did you hear about this phantom phone caller? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know all about it. Yeah, there's been a there's a phantom phone caller on the loose. I was trying to think of anything newsworthy that happened in this book that we just read. Yeah. Uh, but it it was pretty isolated to just the girls' lives. There wasn't a whole lot happening in the greater world. No, that's true, but god damn, a lot of shit happened in these girls' lives this week. This is The book this week is Marianne Saves the Day, and fucking hell, does the day need to get saved. It's like, you've thrown out both the term day and week now, but this book takes place over the course of months. A month, yeah, over a month. Yeah, which is new. It's usually just a couple days. Uh, before we get into it, can I just mention how smoky and husky... Your voice is sounding tonight? You, you certainly can, sir. Oof. I think this is going to be a fan favorite. Yeah. Old Uncle Jacko's bringing the deep, resonant bass. Yeah. Yeah, it's beautiful. I'm going to pull up the rear with my squeaky boy voice <laughs> for yeah, one more really week. Yeah, we're really balancing each other out. Yeah. We should be like a radio shock jock duo, <laughs> like Jack, Jackie and the Weasel or something. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, so let's talk about, let me, I'm going to give you a one sentence description of this plot. Okay. Of what happens, yeah. and then I'm gonna I'm gonna force you to to describe the whole thing in sixty seconds. Sure. Why won't I just repeat your one sentence? Okay. Well, I, you know you can if you like. Oh, you're gonna do your your overthought. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna make overwrought it up on, on the fly right here. This is a novel. This is a epic tale of four women in a small town whose lives are shattered when they lose the only thing that matters to them, which is their own friendship. Um, and as they have to introspect, suddenly alone in the world, they each learn a lot more than they ever wanted to about who they were. Okay, do you want to know what actually happened? Yeah, I'm going to give you 60 seconds to do it. All right, you want to pull out your phone? I'm going to pull out my phone. You ready? Yep, 60 seconds, on right, the clock. Let's, let's go. Ready? Yeah. The girls are babysitters, as usual. Uh, they have a meeting. Um, Christy picks up the phone. It's a call from the Newtons. Uh, they need a sitter for Jamie and Lucy. Chris I love how you always you spend the first twenty seconds describing. Like, Did you pause? First, if you're gonna interrupt me, sorry, I'm gonna pause. Yeah, I love how with these you always you spend the first twenty seconds of your total sixty seconds describing the first page. <laughs> this is important. A lot happens in that first page. <laughs> All right, I didn't mean to interrupt your flow, and in fact, I feel like that's against the spirit of this. Segment. Give me five seconds. So I'm gonna give you an extra ten seconds on top okay. of it. All right, so pick up. Christy picks up the phone. It's it's the Newtons. It's the Newtons. All right. They need a sitter for both Jamie and Lucy, new baby Lucy. Everyone's very excited to sit Lucy. Uh, Christy doesn't doesn't confer with her associates and takes the job. 
Everyone's furious at her. They all start shouting names at one another. They call each other uh, job hogs and little babies and diabetic scum and stuff like that. Uh, there's a lot of ableism in these books. Uh, yeah. Continuing on, the fight continues for a month. Uh, stay, everyone's very petty. They're sticking their tongues out of one another. Marianne meets, this is from Marianne's perspective, she meets a beautiful young woman named Dawn with flowing blonde hair. They become good friends. Marianne's doing it out of spite to make Christy jealous. Uh, there's a uh, birthday party for Jamie. Um, Marianne spills a bunch of pop on Christy's And that's all lap. we got. Oh, that's pretty much all that, that happened. That's pretty good. Well, I, you missed the you missed the stunning finale. I mean, the the thing is that these girls have fallen apart. Their whole worlds are shattered. Right. There's a solid B plot with Marianne and her dad too. Oh, man, there is such a solid B plot. With I didn't Marianne even get into dad. it with Marianne and her dad, and with Marianne's dad and new babysitter Dawn's mom. Oh, that shit is fucking fireworks. Spicy. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, there's a lot to unpack here. Yeah, I didn't even get through the whole thing. There was a lot in this book. Let's start by talking about Dawn. Yeah. I what I like a lot is that Anna Martin was like we need more diversity in this babysitting group like right. we have like we've got an Asian girl but the, other than that we don't have a lot of diversity so we right. need to introduce a blonde girl. Right. Isn't Stacy blonde? I don't think Stacy's blonde. I think she is. I think they're all brunettes. No, I think Stacy's blonde. No. Well, maybe maybe Dawn is like Well, maybe a, I don't know. A deeper blonde. I can google it. I no, guess. let's not do that. I feel like we've learned that. Stacy No. No. McGill. No. So anyway, Dawn shows up, and like the scene in which she shows up is... Sorry, I'll be right with you. Okay, good. No, that's cool, man. Don't pay attention you to You vamp. Me. No, she's totally blonde, man. Is Look she? at her. She was played by a blonde actress. Okay, well then, in this case, she really missed an opportunity to liven up the babysitters. With, she like, could have made her a redhead, yeah. Yeah. Or maybe, uh, like, albino. Okay. I like Dawn, man. Do you? Yeah, she's cool. And we're going to get a Dawn point of view for the next book, Dawn and the Fearsome Three or something like it's that. It's pretty crazy that we're she was just introduced in this book and she's yeah. already getting her own uh, oh, yeah. debut so, title on the next book. Yeah, well, she's a dynamic character. She blows up everybody's spot as soon as she enters. She's the new girl in school. She seemed like she was just a pawn in this Game of Thrones that was happening between yeah. Stacy and Christy and Claudia. Yeah, Marianne and Christy fall out in a really dramatic way. And Marianne and Christy are like the strongest friendship out of the group. Um, and so they fall out in a really dramatic way. And that same day, Marianne meets Dawn and right. spends the whole time like deliberately putting her arm around Dawn so that Christy will see it. It's super fucked up. You know what? Christy's got to come in, though. Christy was being a real B-word in this yeah. book. She is such, like, a little shitty baby. Yeah. Everyone else is red. Everyone else is primed. Everyone else is ready to, like, get on board and get the Babysitter's Club back together. And it takes Christy a month and a half to finally, like, come around. It takes her a literal month. What is going on in there? And they, I bet they lost a lot of revenue. Oh, my Small God. Small business they lost can't take a month and a half off. No, well, I mean, this is what Marianne, who literally saves the fucking day. Yeah. That's what she says. She's like, listen, here are the terms. Business first, but for this business to work, we have to repair our friendships. Yeah. So here's a question for you. I feel like you've been pretty hard on Marianne in the last few reads, and yep. I feel like this is her coming out party. You get to it's really see. You get to see what's going on. Yeah. Hate her. Really? Yeah. She's all over the map, man. Like, she's super shy and demure and quiet, and then, like, now that we're in her head and kind of get a sense of what she's thinking... She's constantly on edge and tense and, like, moments away from blowing up at anyone, her dad, at Christy. I think, so, I think you're misreading this. I think what you're seeing is, like, her at this, like, liminal moment in her life where she has realized that she 
can't be a baby anymore. Like, so this book, first of all, this book should be called Marianne and the Daddy Issues. I actually wrote that down. I wrote down in my notes, Marianne and the toppling of the patriarchy. Yeah. what this book should have been called. Yeah. She really rises up against old man Old man Spear. spear. Yeah. She's she, a fucked up dude, man. Really weird. You know who he reminds me of? Is like a cult leader or like one of those people who like has everyone live in an underground bunker and yeah. he keeps like reassuring them like this is what God wants. Just everyone just totally. fall in line. Totally. Marianne keeps on being like Christy and Stacy are allowed to put their own posters up on their wall and you literally force me to keep up posters that would be appropriate for a three or five year old. Right. Like he a tells hum- her what to wear. Humpty Dumpty. He forces her to wear her hair in braids. Yeah. He buys all her clothes and then makes her like... Like, put on a show for him every morning when she leaves the house so that he can approve of what she's wearing. He's like a weird psychopath. Yeah, he's an intense dude. Though I've got to say, I feel like every one of these books I have like a genuine tearful moment. Do you? Yeah, there's a moment where like against my will, the the corners of my eyes crinkle up and I start feeling like I'm going to cry and then I'm like, oh shit. <laughs> Which one was it? The, the, it was this moment with Marianne and her dad. It's right at the end and it's about the braids. Can I read it? Yeah. For a moment, Dad didn't answer. At last, he said, well, 10 o'clock seems a bit late for school nights. How about 9.30 on school nights and 10 o'clock on Friday and Saturday nights? Talking about when she's going to stay out. Right. Oh, Dad, that's perfect. Thank you. I started to get up, wanting to hug him, but we're not huggers. I sat down again. Then I had a great idea. Dad, I want to show you something. I said, I'll be right back. I ran upstairs to my room, pulled the rubber bands off the ends of my braids, shook my hair out, and brushed it carefully. It fell over my shoulders. Ripley from having been braided when it was still damp that morning. Then I ran down to the kitchen and stood in front of my father. How do I look? I asked. I watched Dad's face go from serious to soft. Lovely, he finally managed to say. This poor man, you know what he's seeing? He's seeing his dead wife. He's seeing his dead wife. Yeah. He's seeing this miniature, vulnerable version of his dead wife who he let slip through his finger he's probably responsible for his death who knows it hasn't been gone into and it never will i hope oh god i hope not (laughs) yeah you've read all these damn books you tell me not not for 30 years here's why i hate marianne because um i'm an anxious man as you know Mm -hmm. being my very good friend i most certainly do uh have a lot of anxieties have a lot of uh worries Mm -hmm. every time Marianne went inside her own head in this book. I saw myself. Okay. And I thought, shit, that is me. Like, she's like, she's constantly worrying about, like, at one point she says, oh, all the other girls have made up with one another and they have just singled me out and decided to leave me out of the group. And it's like, shit, man, that is a, that is a neurosis. I have Marianne. Shit. That's why I hate her. So you think you're a Marianne. In this book, I think I'm definitely a Marianne, man. I wear my hair in braids. <laughs> you know what, man? What? I'd love to see you shake those out, man. Yeah? Yeah, I'd love to see you shake those out. <laughs> <laughs> you look lovely. Thank you. Yeah. Can I tell you who I thought you were in this book? Yeah, please. Janine's not in it, so. No, she's not, but I found a guy who jumped out at me. <laughs> uh, and I thought, man, that's Jack all over. Yeah? Um. Marianne's trying to introduce Dawn to the school, kind of tell her who to hang out with, who to avoid. Oh, yeah. And she says, you want to know who the weirdest kid in school is? <laughs> she nodded eagerly. It's Alexander Kurtzman, the one wearing the three-piece suit. See him? I whispered. Dawn nodded. Don't ever try to butt in front of him on the lunch line. Don't even try to get in back of him either, unless he's at the end of the line. His hobby is obeying rules. 
So there was no Janine in this book, so I had to find a new fucking pedant. Yeah, and I think- it was Alexander Kurtzman. He's apparently wears a three piece suit too. He sounds like a real like. You know what he sounds like? Sixth grader. You know what he sounds like? Yeah, like a Mennonist. <laughs> he sounds like one of those yeah. guys who's like wearing a fedora. He's constantly shouting at women about rules. I can see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I bet actually. So this is like filtered through their experience. I bet he doesn't say that shit to the dudes. No, it's obviously just not. He's, he's like, like no he's some it. nerd, yeah. man. He's not gonna like tell dudes anything. Yeah, he's too afraid. So I got a few thoughts that I jotted down. We can talk about. Boy, is this book ever a book about the failure of communication, about total communication breakdown. Yeah. And the best example of it is during the height of their feud, they're forced to play this game of telephone. Right. And and, uh, Marianne and Chrissy use it as a means of communicating when they're refusing to speak to one another because they're both on a babysitting gig together. And they're constantly trying to mediate their experience through the written word and then subverting it as they're doing it. I can't believe you did no pre-pro. You did no pre-pro. This is just coming naturally off the top of your dome. No, this is what happens when I don't do pre-pro, is I start just saying, like, SAT words. <laughs> so your pre-pro is you write down SAT words, and when you don't do pre-pro, they just come right, they just come right out. They just come right out. Yeah. But that, don't you think that's true? Like, the babysitter's diary that they keep, yeah. which is supposed to be about, like, what happened on jobs, so they can know if, like, one kid's allergic to who's strawberries. Got, yeah, got food like, allergies. that becomes this weird fucking place where they're writing this shit that's about their hurt and their woundedness, about their friendship. Whoa. Wow. But so it's subversive. Yeah, it's subversive. Yeah. They're but it's like, it. it's not expressing who they are. They're trying to express their woundedness, but it comes out in this weird, transmuted way where they're just like lashing out and saying all this angry shit in the diary. And then it becomes this document, and then it's like, that's not who they are. Right. They're saying stuff like, oh, Charlotte is deathly allergic to her friends who are butt faces. Right. And job hogs. Right. Yeah, uh, exactly. so Christy and Claudia, make sure to be careful around her. She may start having a fit if you guys get too close to her because she's allergic to dumb idiot boss hogs. No, exactly. It's powerful. And Marianne's always trying to write these notes of apology that like as she's writing them get subverted in the act of transmission where it starts off as a note of apology and ends up with like, dear Christy, I'm sorry you're such a fucking know-it-all job hog. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I hope you're sorry too. Well, not only that, the the mechanism for delivery is always, there's always some hiccup there too. She uses Mimi as a go-between to get her note to Claudia. Yeah. And then shortly thereafter, there is a new blow up between her and Claudia because Mimi calls Marianne, my Marianne, my Marianne. <laughs> and Claudia loses her fucking shit because she's like, you only call me my she's, Claudia. She doesn't even call Janine. And she doesn't even call Janine. Janine. Yeah. Who would, though? Yeah. No one. Yeah. <laughs> I must be pretty familiar. Janine with wouldn't like that. No one's ever she called you my that. Jack. Janine doesn't need that shit, man. She doesn't need to be fucking pandered to. No, she has an IQ books. of like 187. She's got knowledge. She's got an IQ that's higher than fucking Stephen Hawking. She does not need to be <laughs> pandered to and by some beer. like, okay, great. So I'm going to, I'm just going to cover for you. Um, um, yeah, bring me, bring me a Sierra Nevada. Should we say brand names? Uh, if we're not, if we're not currently sponsored, we can bleep out the name of the beer. We'll, here, we'll bleep out the name of the beer, and then when we go to beer sponsors, we'll we'll <laughs> play that back and be like, hey, this would could you be like you. another Shiner Bach? <laughs> <laughs> yes, please. I would love That's another good. Shiner Bach. 
we're trying to reach like a male demo age like 21 to you really think the 25 yeah, like, you're yeah. like, <laughs> well we've got uh a handful of listeners yeah all female yeah ages uh 12 to 45 <laughs> <laughs> babysitter's club has a, a big demo yeah what else happened in this book, man? I felt like it was all just oh, a big I was fight. I wanted to talk about Mimi, man. Yeah, Mimi's I wanted cool. To d- d- so Mimi, for the uninitiated or for those who have forgotten, is Claudia's gr- like kind of awesome grandma. Right. But so she, and Live she's, in grandma. And she's like, Marianne wants her to be her daddy, which is like, it's nice. just not going to fucking happen. Oh, I mean, gross. Yeah. <laughs> but Mimi says a cool thing. Yeah. So Marianne has this poster of Humpty Dumpty up in her wall. Oh God, I captured this too, right, man. You and I, that you shit, and I capture all the same notes. No, that shit took me aback, as they say. Marianne has this poster of Humpty Dumpty up on her wall, and it's this fucking issue, right? Because as we've already said, she's twelve now, going on thirteen, and that's more appropriate for a five-year-old, which is like where her dad wants to keep her. Right. She wants a poster of New York and Paris. Right. Like a cool ass 12 year old. Man, that's cool as hell. Are you kidding me? Yeah. I've been to both those cities. I live in one of them. So she's like, tells this story. And then she's like, oh, wait a second. Do you know the tale of Humpty Dumpty? Microaggression. And then Mimi goes, yes. He is the shattered egg man. I thought that was awesome. It's upsetting. It's, it's like what awesome. a what a brutal way to put the It's the... so fucking powerful. And the cool thing is in that moment, that's when it coalesced for me that it's like, oh shit, that's what this book is about. <laughs> Marianne is the shattered egg man. Well, so in so many ways, right? Or the babysitter's club is Ma- the shattered egg. Marianne is a shattered egg man, right? Like, in order to become new, you have to be shattered first and then be put back together again by literally all the king well, not literally, metaphorically all the king's horses and all the king's <laughs> men. Right? So that's Marianne. She's shattered. She's gone through some fucking trauma. Right. And she needs when she gets put back together again, she's like assertive and ready to take charge. She's a fucking new woman. Yeah. But also the entire babysitter's club is shattered. Right. It's destroyed. I mean, they still they hobble along. Oh, barely. Man, it's a rough though. There's just these girls wandering in their house with these morose, long faces, trudging up the stairs to like clock into That's their just, babysitters. Like, slamming club jobs. doors and like they agree that even though they fucking hate each other now. He moves away from the mic to breathe. Or burp or maybe throw up. <laughs> I can't I'm myself. Stuffed up, man. <laughs> can I tell you a story could, while you're leaning away from the mic? I'm good now. I, I want to tell you a story this about isn't like inherent sexiness. It's like that I have a cold. Oh, do you have a cold? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Tell me a story. When I was 12, I went through a lot of the same stuff that Marianne went through. My dad wasn't a weird cult leader. Right. My dad wasn't uh, Jim Jones. Right. Uh, my parents are very liberal and very accommodating. They just want me to live my best life. So really, who I was lashing out against was myself. But wow. let's not get into it. No, this is good, man. I feel like you're finally opening up to me. I, at, when I, I can 12, now reveal that I haven't been recording any of this. <laughs> <laughs> this is just... Wow. Yeah. This is powerful. Yeah. <laughs> Did you write these books? Yeah. <laughs> when I was 12, I decided that my mom dressed me as a kid, as most of our moms did. Uh-huh. Uh, would often put me in very weird, colorful ensembles mm-hmm. to make me stand out a little bit. Uh, I got sick of it when oh, I turned wow. 12, 13. What I wanted, and I came in crying from school one day, ran down to my room crying. Yeah. My mom came down and said, what's the matter? And I said... I'm not cool. Oh, wow. And she said, that's okay. You don't need to be. And I said, no, I do. I need to be cool. And she said, okay, what do you need? And I said, I want to go to the mall tomorrow 
and I want to buy Jinkos. I want Jinkos. I oh, want, you knew what was cool. I want the biggest, <laughs> baddest Jinkos I can fit on my 12-year-old frame. Yeah. And you know what she did? God bless my mom. Took me to the mall the next day. Bought me Jinkos. She was like, you could fit into one of these pant legs all by yourself. And I fucking rocked those oh, Jinkos, I man. I look so good. I had those skunk stripe ones. Did you yeah. wear Jinkos? Or were you, you're older than me. Yeah, I fucking wore Jinkos, man. Yeah. I looked cool as hell. Yeah, I wore Jinkos that like tied at the bottom and then bunched yeah. over your shoes. Yeah. Or the kind that have like the built-in suspenders that you're not yeah. supposed to use as suspenders. You're just supposed to like let them hang down. <laughs> yeah. That's cool as hell, man. I was I remember going through like a phase where I was wearing a lot of Jinkos and a lot of no fear shirts. And oh, I feel man. like you you lost me. <laughs> you lost me, man. I had no fear. Jinkos was cool, man, but I was wearing well, whatever. I was wearing some cool shit on the top half. Yeah. And you you lost it. What were you wearing? What any brand names? Yeah, Ralph Lauren. <laughs> Is that what's cool? Yeah. Okay, so I I feel I feel Marianne's pain in this book, man. I feel that like this is need so, to kind of so capture I, your own identity for once in your goddamn life and stop following other people, you dude. Know? But so this is for me is is difficult because I, as you know, identify as a Marianne. I've always felt myself to be a Marianne. That's yeah. who's my spirit babysitter. Yeah, yeah. And you and I are very different people. Not and very then to find out we, we've had all four main babysitters POVs. Yeah, and you you're coming out as a fucking Marianne. I think maybe everyone's with a Marianne, this book. Man. Everyone feels insecure. Everyone feels know, lost in this world. I there are some people. I, there no one's people. no one's a confident Claudia. Yeah, and no one wants to identify as a Christie man. Although yeah. you remember at the end of episode one, I did yeah. say that I was a Christie because I felt bad about myself. Yeah. I felt like, oh, I'm judgmental. Yeah. You're not enough of a bossy boots to be a Christie. No, I'm not a bossy boots. I'm a Marianne, man. Yeah. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Hmm. What would I do with an extra hour in my day? Very interesting question, BetterHelp. Hello, everyone. This is Evil Tanner. I'm like regular Tanner, except evil. Our sponsor, BetterHelp, has put a little prompt here in the copy for us. What would you do with an extra hour in your day? My own website, which only exists on the dark web, of course, uh, wetterhelp.com, could use a little help. So I would probably use that hour to... Do a whole bunch, like, just flood Facebook with one like, one prayer. Please go donate to my GoFundMe. I need to bring my website, wetterhelp.com, back from the brink. Betterhelp.com, they feel like there's a little bit of uh, infringement. I said, well, you know, we're on the dark web. You guys are on the surface web. Our whole thing is, like, getting people wet who don't want to be wet. So it's, like, stepping in a puddle or, like, sitting on a bench that's wet. That's us. Like, that's what we do. Share this with a friend, one like, one prayer. I will follow through on the like prayer stuff, too. I will be praying all night. I would use today's sponsor, BetterHelp.com. Um, of course, I can't. I am evil tanner. I can only use the deep web. We do have a deep web version of BetterHelp.com. Um, it's called WorseHelp.com. It's not good, but I think BetterHelp.com is great from everything I've heard. Convenient, flexible, suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire and you get matched with a licensed therapist. You can switch at any time, no additional charge. Uh, go check it out. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Bedfellows to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Bedfellows. 
See you there. Well, not me, but have fun. Um, all right, let's talk about Dawn real quick. Yeah, she seems. So, she seems. Um, I have. I have like a lost really, in this sophisticated game of chess that these girls are playing. I have a hyper specific note about Dawn. Oh, that is just that she moved to Stony Brook like this week because her parents got divorced. Right. Okay. She lives in a so, chill ass house. She, she lives in a fucking she lives in cool a ass colonial house. barn yeah. that was built in 1795. Yeah, it's cool as hell. Marianne goes over to their house. And she's like, hey, can we watch some of your VHS tapes? And she's like, yeah, let's watch this VHS tape that my mom bought for me right after the divorce. Right. It's the fucking parent trap. Well, yeah, her mom recorded it off TV, which is illegal. Yeah. But no, no, that's not the point that I was trying to pick up on. Okay, but I'm saying that's yeah. it's illegal. Okay, so you want it, you, like you saw all that, and you're like, "Oh man, this will be this will be a good discussion about piracy." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we can get into some piracy can really issues. Warn people against. Like uh, maybe we could just pull up an old VHS and read like the FBI warning. Yeah, for yeah, that's a good idea. What where I wanted to go was, yeah. do you know the plot of the Parent Trap? Um, Lindsay Lohan. No, Jesus Christ, man! Is, How old are you? There's two of no, her. The original Parent Trap. Was an original Parent Trap? Yeah, the original Parent Trap. Let's not go into it too much, except that the point of it is... Wait, it... there's a non-Lindsay Lohan Parent Trap? Yeah, dude. Oh, there have to be. Wait, when was Lindsay Lohan's Parent Trap? Like, f- 1999? Years ago. Five, who knows? When yeah. was this book written? 1988? Yeah. No, probably still 80, 87. I think Ann, Ann Martin banged these out. Sure, really got this out, huh? Yeah. I, like, honestly, when she said she was watching The Parent Trap, I pictured... Lindsay Lohan's Parent Trap, that doesn't make any sense. Lindsay Lohan wasn't even born, There must have man. been another one. Yeah, and huh. there was, and I watched it as a, young, as a young man, of course. But the point, so the plot of the Parent Trap, real quick, yeah. is two parents are divorced, and they're like, kids meet each other in summer camp, and then they try to trap their parents into getting back together. Aren't they twins? Together. Yeah, they're twins, and that's how they know that some shit is weird. <laughs> Imagine how fucking freaky that would be. Yeah. Running into a person who looks exactly like you. Yeah, it's fucking terrifying. Ugh. But do you not think it's weird for a divorced mom, like as her first act after her divorce, to give her child a copy of The Parent Trap? This book about like kids trying to get their divorced parents back together? Oh, yeah. Do you think her mom's still in love with her dad? Who fucking knows, man? That's all. That's literally my only thought. I just thought that was real fucking I'll up tell you me. who Don's mom's in love with. Oh. <sighs> Wow. This is my favorite part about this book. This book has so much in it. It has so much in it. The disintegration of the babysitters is such a good device because, like, all of the other books, it's all about them working together, and this book is about them, like, working against each other. Except they get in a fucking fight every book. Yeah, but not like this. No, this is a bad one. That's awesome. The introduction of Dawn is fucking incredible. Like, there's a new babysitter in town. Does she have what it takes? Right. Then the relationship between Marianne and her dad is just like, and we'll talk about Freudian stuff hopefully later. Yeah. In this episode. Can't wait, man. Yeah. After, the, after the episode's over. Yeah. After, okay. We'll go to my den and talk about <laughs> Freud. <laughs> but the stuff, do you want to introduce it? The stuff between Marianne's dad and Don's mom. Yeah. It's fucking incredible. Yeah. So Marianne catches wind that Don's mom is recently divorced, but from Stony Brook, she moved back to Stony Brook to be near her parents. Which is so plausible. Yeah, totally plausible. Yeah. Marianne says to Don, oh, I wonder if she knew my dad in high school. 
approaches her dad and says, oh, did you know a uh, Sharon Porter in high school? And her dad, who's now kind of for the first time in his life being open and emotionally available for Marianne, says, uh, did I? Did I know a Sharon Porter in high school? Yeah, I knew a fucking Sharon Porter. And we spent one glorious summer together <laughs> as lovers before she went off to college and we lost touch. I've pulled up the yearbook quotes. Yeah. I Here's think what, that was pretty much word for word what the yearbook quote yeah. was. Yeah. Here's what Richard writes in her yearbook Richard Spear. Remember, the summer can be forever. Love always. Richie. That's not even the good shit, man. The good shit is he, he like, quotes Camus. <laughs> Here's what she writes. Four years weren't enough. Let's start over. How can we part? We have one more summer. Hold on to it, Richie. Love is blind. Always and forever. Sharon. Wow. And so what's awesome, so that shit is awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. They find that shit in their yearbooks. Both of those quotes and, and, and then, with, like, ellipses. And then there's this awesome scene where they're like, now we're having a pizza party at Marianne's house. Right. And, like, Sharon drops Dawn off at Marianne's house, and Richie opens the fucking door, Marianne's dad, and they both, like, lose their fucking minds. Yeah. They just, like, strip down and start going at it oh, right there in the doorway. It's powerful. It's not, it's not what you would expect. Like, because this is, I feel like these books are mostly for 12-year-olds. Yeah. Or you and I, notwithstanding. But that powerful scene between those two, that was X-rated as well. Love is real. Uh, today was the first time I read this book book on the subway home before we recorded mm-hmm. today was and i was reading the paperback copy that we ordered because we did order the original first run editions of these books today was the first day i ever felt deep shame and embarrassment <laughs> as a 31 year old man mm-hmm. just tucking into a yeah. babysitter's club book on a very <laughs> packed subway and, like, you know, it was very, very busy, very packed. We were yeah. all, like, shoulder to shoulder. So people were, like, looking over and your I shoulder. And I kept having to, like, <laughs> squish up my body, but, like, keep the book in front of my face. Yeah. So, like, all these people around me were, like, packing in. And I was like, no, I need a little bit of room yeah. to be able to read this book. So, like, stop shoving <laughs> in on me. So a lot of people were, like, darting their glances you're up a big, me. You're a big man, too. I'm a big you man. Felt, you gave him a And look. also... You got a big fucking bruise And also, on your face. I yeah. fell... On the ice earlier today, and I have this massive bruise on my face, and my right hand and arm are covered in bandages. Yeah. Which is the hand I was using to hold up this book. So I look like I just left Fight Club. Yeah. To I think that go gonna, home and read a I'm gonna say that that's like that little vignette that makes it even more intimidating. Like put yourself in the shoes of someone on the subway. You're on the subway, you're lost in your own world. You bump up against someone and you turn around in anger because like that person shoved you. Yeah. And then it's like this big it's fucking a six dude foot five with like a serious ass expression. Six foot five man just standing there like towering over you. And on top of everything else, he's got this huge bruise on his face and like cuts all down his face like he's just been in a huge fight. And you're like, fuck, I don't know if I should fuck with this dude. And then you glance over and he's reading Babysitter's Club. <laughs> Marianne Saves the Day. <laughs> Number four. Doesn't the that original add to it? 1988 print with Marianne in her little pigtails yeah. on it, like holding up a thermometer. Doesn't that make it worse? You're like, oh man, I, now I'm not going to fuck with this guy's a fucking dude. psychopath. <laughs> I got to get off this train at the next stop. That's good. Can it's- we talk about the day? That Marianne saved. This is a de- uh, there's a lot happening. She this says, book, man. I mean, I feel so like there's so many threads we've got to address. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. She yeah. tore apart the Babysitters Club. Oh, wow. They got in a big fight at the beginning of the book, yeah. but she is the one who dropped the mic. She like started screaming at everyone. She's like, yeah. "You're a bitch. 
you're a job hog. Yeah. You have diabetes. Yeah. I'm out of here. Yeah. So it's really her fault in the first place that the Babysitter's Club disbanded. Yeah. But in her defense, she is the one who is trying the hardest yeah. to pull them all back together again uh, and manages to do it. Yeah, she she pulls it off. It, it, she picked that one inopportune moment to express herself and become the Marianne that she knows she can be. The dangerous. The dangerous, like, don't fuck with me or I'll stab you in the back. Yeah. Like, I'm going to take charge. I'm going to be president one day. Yeah. Like, I just and, have to eliminate all of my foes first. Yeah, and it's like, do you think Marianne, who obviously towers intellectually above all of the other babysitters, there's no question about that. Do you think that she's secretary because that's what she should be? No, she's secretary because she hasn't learned how to fucking express herself yet. Right. Like, she's a cut above these other girls. I think that's pretty strong, but... you Earlier today, you described me to a coworker as... A Claudia Stan, uh-huh. and I was going to um, raise issue with two things: one, that you, a thirty-seven-year-old man, knew what the word Stan meant, uh-huh. and two, that I was a Claudia Stan. I would raise issue with that. Yeah, but I was thinking about it on my ride home today, and thought, "Fuck, I am a Claudia Stan, man. Claudia's the best. Yeah, she's I... just so cool and so collected." Yeah, and honestly, her point of view has been like the most sane of yeah. all of them so far. And in this book, apart from the Mimi stuff, she's like the most reasonable. Let's talk about how Marianne saved the day, though. Okay. Marianne goes to babysit for this girl called Jenny. Yeah. And her like fucked up weird parents. Yeah, they're weird. They're like cool cosmetics. They're called the Preziosos. Yeah, and they're very prim. Which means like precious. They're very prim and proper. Yeah. The mom is super prim and proper, and the dad just like wants to wear jeans, and like the mom's not into it. Man, that dude sounds rad. That dude sounds cool as fuck. And they're going to a basketball game, and like Mrs. Prezioso is mad at Mr. Prezioso because he's like, "Can we fucking go to a basketball game? It's my like alma mater is playing," and he wears jeans and a t-shirt instead of like a four-piece suit. Yeah, like she loses her shit. Go put on your formal kilt. Yeah. She's pissed. So they go to this fucking basketball game. They're like, it's an hour away, which is like all this foreshadowing. They're like, it's an hour away, and we, there's literally no way you can contact us. Right. And then they leave. Marianne's like, what's up, three-year-old Jenny? Let's play. And Jenny's like, I don't want to play. And she takes her temperature, and she has a 104-degree temperature. Dangerous. Dangerously fucking high temperature. Dangerous. I was thinking about what I would do in that situation. Yeah. I would be like. Ice bath. I'd be like, uh. I'm sure it'll be fine. <laughs> like, no question. No 104 question. degrees is dangerous. I yeah. think that's like when the brain starts eating itself. I'd be like, ah, well, you know, the parents, I'm sure the parents would have said something. Like, they must know. I guess I'll just send her to bed. Yeah. Uh, well, well, okay. When they get back, I'll be sure to be like, ah, oh, she seems unwell. But not Marianne, man. a little warm. Marianne fucking springs into action. No, she, she doesn't. Me. No, she doesn't. Wow. You give Marianne so much goddamn credit. You know this what Marianne did? Yeah. Called Dawn and had Dawn figure out that what to do. That is such a fucking misrepresentation. I can read you the passage. I can she's read like, you the passage. She's like, uh, Dawn, I don't know what to do. And Dawn's like, call the f- a fucking hospital. Are you insane? She's 104 degree temperature. She's like, okay, I'll call the hospital. Wow. And then they send an ambulance. I just, I'm the only she reason strep, I'm not more she has angry throat. right now is that I know that you I strongly identify with Marianne. So this is like you being angry with yourself for your <laughs> own possible failures. Shit, and we're like, getting into it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She does. She does nothing in that scenario. She calls her dad. She calls 
the neighbor. Yeah, no one picks up. She calls up. her dad. She calls a neighbor. She calls a couple other people she knows. She can't be self reliant. She can't rely on her own. What is instinct? she supposed to do? Like, I'm like trying to be put a myself doctor for this child. As I do every time I close my eyes, I'm trying to put myself into the shoes of a 12 year old girl. Good. And what I'm thinking is, okay, I'm a 12 year old girl. Right. I'm alone in this world. Uh-huh. I'm totally isolated. Good. I am caring for the life force. Right. Of an even younger girl. Yeah. A six-year-old girl. Three. Three? Yeah. <sighs> this little girl is dying. Yeah. She's a 104-degree temperature. She is on death's door. Bad. What do I do? Yeah. You know what I do? What? Call the goddamn ambulance oh. and get an ambulance there to take her to the yeah. hospital. And guess who fucking does that? Dawn. No. Yes. And guess why Dawn is there? Because Marianne had Marianne the fucking presence of mind have to know that this is a big... Chutzpah. So I had the other reaction, too, which is like, honestly, just putting myself in Marianne's shoes in that case, I would be like, I don't want to cause trouble. They get one night out a month. Yeah. And the dad finally got a fucking night out that he can actually enjoy normally. They go to some fancy-ass restaurant. And they obviously don't give a shit they about it. They go to a lot of cocktail parties. Yeah, they go to a lot of cocktail parties. The, the What are they called? The Preciosos. Yeah, the preciosas go to. It's, it's I was gonna, a, you know what? I was going to say something super racist. <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> the reason I started going because I was going to say the spaghettis. No, and I know that wasn't right. <laughs> and I'm glad I stopped myself from doing it. And yeah. now I regret. You regret addressing it and back bringing the it back, <laughs> parting the kimono on that one. Well, there's no going back from that, man. <laughs> we just we just lost our entire Italian just audience. Out. Just cut yeah. all that out. We'll just cut that out. Anyway, yeah. the spaghettis. So the uh, the, the, <laughs> the preziosos. So I would be like, I'm going to ruin their fucking night. The thing here's what, the thing about a babysitter from yeah. an adult's point of view, like debatable. From just try to put yourself get out of the mindset of a 12 year old girl. It's going to be hard. It's going to be tough for me, man. <laughs> just try for okay. a second. Like you get a baby. You want me to quantum leap back into my thirty-one-year-old man's body? I want you to, or at least just, just stay a twelve-year-old and try to imagine what it would be like from a thirty-one-year-old's perspective. I'm going to help you get there. Okay. Like you don't give a shit that the fucking babysitters club is disintegrating. You don't care. You don't care that like. I care deeply. I'm totally invested in this club. No. No, if you're if you're Mrs. Prezioso. Oh, now I'm Mrs. Prezioso. Yeah, if you're Mrs. Prezioso, yeah. you don't care about merit, like what's going on. I kind of see myself side. as more of a Mr. Prezioso. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Put yourself good. Be be Mr. Prezioso. Okay. You're on the way to. A Let me get in my character. Game. Let me get in a character. All right. <clears throat> Just I love jeans. I love boys basketball. <laughs> I love my wife. I love my family. Hey. uh... Mr. Prezioso. Yeah, what's up? Which would you prefer, a basketball game or the fanciest five-star restaurant? Where's the restaurant? Um, like what kind of, of what kind of food is the it? The finest neighborhood in uh, Stony Brook. It's uh, it's a spaghetti restaurant. Well, I love I love boys basketball. <laughs> yeah. So I think I'm going to go with the boys basketball. Great. I feel like you're there. Yeah. Um, Can I pop on some jeans? Yeah, man. Throw on some. What, like, what else would you wear to a boys' basketball game? Uh, my dress kilt. Yeah. <laughs> um. Well, let me ask you another question. Yeah. Do you give a shit that the babysitter that you hired is like going through some stuff? No, she's a twelve-year-old girl. <laughs> yeah. They're all going through some stuff. Yeah. 
Um, so do you, would you be upset if she like called 911 and had you paged at the basketball game and it turned out to be a fucking false alarm? Yeah, this is my one night off. Yeah. I get one night off a year. I bust my ass for this family. <laughs> okay? I didn't ask for any of this. I didn't ask for any of this. Jenny was a mistake. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I should be out there living my life Man. like my friends. And you don't even love And your here wife. I am. At a Ugh. boys' bat, you think I want to be at a boys' basketball game? You don't love Mrs. Prezioso, do you? No, no, I've never loved Mrs. Prezioso. <laughs> that that much it's is evident. That much is evident. That's I feel like that's something that Anna and Martin puts in just for the grown-ups reading along. Yeah, it's like they don't. Lo- this is a loveless marriage. I don't know. They're always going out together. Yeah, they're making time she, for one she, another. She, well, anyway, that was all play acting. I actually think uh, that Mr. Prezioso is probably a pretty upstanding dude who loves his family. Yeah. I think that's true, too. I don't want to cast aspersions. No, I don't either. Sorry, Mr. Prezioso, if yeah. you're listening. Oh, dog's there goes barking. The, there goes the dog. Anyway, we were trying to tell the story. Oh, I guess we should have addressed that we're in a new space this week. Oh, man. That's going to that's gonna, that's gonna go well with our audio audience. My apartment. Yep. With its high 12-foot vaulted ceilings yep. and tiny uh, one-foot Brussels Griffon dog, yeah, who likes to bark, who likes to who likes to make his presence felt. So if you hear um, a cavernous echo, mm-hmm. that's my vault of ceilings, and if you hear a tiny yippy bark, that's my tiny dog. Please ignore both. I have been. Um, I just I want to set our listeners up. I don't. Okay, it's getting close to time to wrap up. I don't have uh, too much. I've got I got a couple other little loose ends. One is. Did you notice, and you didn't because you haven't read these books before? Yeah. Um, the introduction of Mallory. Mallory. They babysit for these kids, like these like She's one of octuplets. The, like, They're like eight, eight children. Yeah, yeah. And the oldest. With the, with the phone. And she, the game of she, Anna and Martin, even this early, this is such as her craftsmanship that like even this early she foreshadows it. There are eight kids, and the 10-year-old Mallory is actually like pretty good at helping out. Yeah, she kind of, she kind of. She walks that line between yeah. babysitter and baby-city. Oh, God, what a, good, what a good fucking segue. Because this, to me, this is the central conflict for Marianne is the conflict of being the sitter and the sat all at once. Everyone's calling her a baby. Yeah. Like Christy is constantly calling her a baby. Like yeah. when she gets mad at her, she yells, baby, baby, baby. Yeah, she at screams her. at her. And she's a baby, but she's like... Wow, who watches The Watchmen? Exactly. Who Can you baby, imagine the tension of the that? Babies. You're like you're a fucking babysitter. Like that's your that's who you are. That's what you do. It's but deep identity. inside, you're not sure if you're not a baby. Fuck, man, that hits me so close to home. Oh, God, this, Shit, Jack. this is you. God, I'm such a Marianne. Yeah, you're a Marianne in different ways than I am. Like I think I'm a Marianne because I think I'm smart, but you think you're a Marianne because you think you're insecure. Deeply, yeah, deeply insecure. Yeah, wow, that's powerful. I'm the baby who's you, babysitting. Yeah. You're this paradox that can't be resolved. You're the babysitting baby. Yeah. You're sitting yourself, man. You're constantly sitting yourself, and that's why it's just churn, churn, churn inside that little brain piece of yours. Oh, shit. This is going to be a... I'm going to have to ask my therapist to <laughs> put in overtime. I think... Because this has opened up a whole new can of worms for me. I'm just going to go in. I'm going to go in next session. I'm going to be like, I'm the fucking babysit. It's like, I'm the baby babysitter. <laughs> I'm the babysitter who's both baby and babysitter all at once. She's going to be like, I'm raking in the cash on this one. Let's unpack this. (laughs) 
And the next thing you're going to be like, look, okay, let me walk this back. Let me let me start from the beginning. Have you read Marianne Saves the Day? <laughs> I think I hate my dad. <laughs> this is good, man. I feel like this is the first one where it's been a real therapy session. Yeah. This wow, is good. Really? Thank you, man. This I think it's so, my gravelly so voice. Relieved. Yeah. That's what's helped you to open up. It's soothing. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't um, been up against my mic one time today. No, I'm too I know super your levels fidgety. are going to be off the fucking hook. We'll no. cut all this out. Oh, man. On that note, yeah. Um, Should we do a loud tone to like in- indicate in the sound levels that this needs to be cut out? <laughs> so just look for that. Whoever edits this episode, look for that tone. And just like go like thirty seconds. You know how annoying that's gonna be for them. <laughs> you know how annoying it's gonna be. Like you're you're gonna be like in the process. You're gonna be like, oh, this is perfect. I can use I can use the moment where he says like, do you know? And like put that into another segment. And then you're gonna be like, do you know? <laughs> you know what else? Who else is gonna be annoying for our listeners? Because we're definitely not gonna <laughs> cut it out. Oh, they all just like quickly like pulled their <laughs> headphones out of their ears like ah oh, fuck this podcast oh, man i was i was i was waiting i i don't like these men <laughs> i don't like these men but i was waiting to see if they had, like had some kind of conclusion to draw and then they fucking they they dropped the like what they did instead was what's the most annoying noise in the world um what right, i was man. what i was going to say is let's wrap this up let's great well this has been a wonderful evening Discussing Marianne Saves the Day. Mm-hmm. Next week, we're going to be talking about a book featuring new babysitter, Dawn. Not book into five. It. I'm afraid of change. I think it's called Dawn and the Terrible Three, but I could be wrong. I barely know Dawn. You're already throwing me into a POV? Yeah. Ugh. Just dive right in. All right, man. Uh, read along with us. This has been Jack Shepard and Tanner Greenring. And this was the Babysitter's Club Club. Claudia's wearing a bra now, and the way she talks. You think boys had just been invented. Yes! You did it right for once! 86. That's how you sign off a podcast. Martin wrote the first book of what became a cult. Now it's time for Babysitter's Club Check. Oh, it's husky. It's so husky. It's making me feel so self-conscious about it my... It should. Soft boyish voice. I mean, this is like so. Th- like, this is an audio experience for people. So they're just imagining this like Shit, sexy so deep. Casanova, like with like a barrel chest, and he's like for some reason he invited like some weedy boy over. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Mister. <laughs> That's good. Can I be on your podcast with you? <laughs> you sure can, young man. I'm going to teach you a thing or two. <laughs> <laughs>